us what he wishes. Amen. All right, the book of Matthew and chapter 7, Matthew and chapter 7. If you are willing and able, if you would please stand and honor the reading of God's word. We just have one verse, one verse today. And if you remember, it is in context. We talked about this before. Uh, the context, we talked a little bit about prayer in chapter 6, and then in chapter 7, <clears throat> the beginning of chapter 7, we start off with that, uh, don't be censorious. Not just judging, not just discerning, but casting your own uh, judgment, guilty, condemned on the people that we disagree with, okay, and then it uh, it, it jumps right over again to uh, prayer again in verse 7, so that we know that our relationship with other believers, okay, is tied in very closely with prayer, okay? And then it goes back in verse, uh, well, verse 13, we're going to get in uh, a whole other round, but back now in verse 12 to our relationship with other people, okay? So here in verse 12, let's look at it. Therefore, and that's, asking us to go back and consider what's ahead. And I'm going to ask you, since we've already preached much of this, I'm going to ask you to do that. We've already developed that context. 
Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Again, one more time. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness and for your grace and, Lord, for your use of weak and foolish people to do your work, Lord, to do an amazing work. Lord, we'd ask that you'd bless the preaching this morning, Lord, that you'd be honored by it, Lord, not just by the preaching, but by the hearing, Lord, and what we will do with the lesson you give us this morning. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you. You may be seated. It's funny how uh, great truths can often be condensed. As a matter of fact, truthfully, almost all great truths can be condensed to one basic statement. And I, I mean, I think about, you know, Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death, and some of those others, uh, the things, that was Patrick Henry, right? Okay, my brain just, my brain just, well, anyways. And it's also funny how that we take some of those great, wonderful statements and things that to us, if we really dwell on them, have deep, heavy, weighty thoughts in them, and they become our children's rhymes. You know what I'm saying? What do, what do we call this passage? What is it called? It's the golden rule. And you know what we think about the golden rule? Oh yeah, that's what we teach the kids in elementary school class, Sunday school. That's, an ele- that's a Sunday school. No, it's not. It is, according to Christ, it is all the law and the prophets. One statement upon which all the law and the prophets can be balanced cleanly. I mean, think about that. Uh, that, that's astounding. You're, you're basically saying Jesus just said the whole Old Testament can fit on the, this pinhead. The whole Old Testament can fit on this balance point. Now my dad, <clears throat> you know how family is, back and forth, the funny little things. I don't Maybe your family's not like that, but uh, our family, you know, sarcasm and digging each other, that's just part of, as a matter of fact, if that didn't happen around our house, somebody, something's wrong, like, you okay? What's wrong with you? Did you actually mean that last thing you said? <laughs> but normally we tease each other, and my dad, went, I forget what it was, and he, he I, I want to say he stole something off my plate or something. I was like, oh, Dad, what you know? I wanted that. And he said, he laughed, and he looked at me and said, well, remember the golden rule? And I was like, what? Do one to others before they do one to you. Uh, I was one of those things, I can still see that smirk on his face when he said that, you know, that little laughing thing. And then you're having a hard time being mad at him because, anyways. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny how that we, when we look at this passage, we understand the basic idea of it, but we don't really do anything with it. I mean, just be truthful, we don't do anything with it. As a matter of fact, the standard human philosophy, now, apart from a few very rare and obscure instances, the world has had the negative version of this philosophy. Okay? And here's, here's what that... And I'll give you. Socrates, Buddha, Confucius, 
the Jewish Hillel, and I believe, um, oh, I can't remember, Philel, I think, both all said it this way. Do not do to others what you would not have done to you. Do not do to others what you would not have done to you. And you're like saying, that's the same thing. Actually, no, it's absolutely not. One is just a way to get along in the world without, without having offense. But the other actually, and it requires little to no action at all. I mean, just don't do stuff. That's, that's what, when it says don't do to other people what you don't want people to do to you, that's just don't do stuff. Okay, well, great. I don't want to be murdered, so I'm not going to run around killing people. How easy is that for most of us? Well, in the head, probably not, with little knives and arrows and all sorts of stuff in the head, but you know what I'm saying? Don't run it, don't, don't be, well, you know, we can go on and on. I mean, that, that's endless. I mean, don't, if you don't want people to be rude to you, don't be rude to other people. Well, that's the golden rule. No, actually, the golden rule is way beyond that. The golden rule requires Christ interaction with us before it can be followed. It absolutely requires it. Amen. The <laughs> do not do others. Just Jesus takes the and a long time statement, this this idea, this thought, and instead of going from the negative, he says, No, I'm gonna turn it to the positive. I want you to do to everyone else what you want everyone else to do to you. This is now required, this requires much more than just inaction. It now requires not just action, but preconceived, premeditated action. I have to think through this. So let me just pause, think about this. So let's just walk through the verse real quick, pick it apart. This one has no outline like normal because the passage is so short, I just kind of want to work on the passage itself. So Barclay called this passage the Everest of Ethics. The Everest of Ethics. And I, I do think that's a great way to put it. But let's just look at this. Real simple. All things that you would, okay, what does it say here? Let's just read it. All things whatsoever you would that men, let's stop right there, okay, all things whatsoever. So what, what kind of things are we talking about? All things. Anything. Whatever things. And that men, is, okay, now you understand, the Bible is not, okay, the Bible's not uh, sexist. This is a day and age when the English language, when it used the word human or men, referred to all mankind. Men, women, children, all alike. Okay, it was a simple way to do it. So, that men. So, if you want anybody else's, so it's referencing anybody else and anything else. That's a very broad pattern, is it not? All things whatsoever you want anyone else to do to you. Okay, and then again, that part says, should do to you. Okay, what is that? should do to you. In other words, they've put some effort into it, right? So if you want someone to put any effort in their actions towards you in a meaningful, positive, beneficial way, okay, any, any men, all men, anything, anything, if you want them to do anything with effort for your benefit, then that's what you do to them. Do ye even so. Okay, what does that mean? You put the effort in. Well, they need to, they need to take, I'm not forgive them, they've got to forgive me first. Does that follow the golden rule? You want them to forgive you? Then guess what you've got to do? But you don't know what they did. I don't have to. The golden rule's pretty clear. But it hurt. Yeah, but the golden rule's pretty clear. Do ye even so. Put that effort in. What? To them. 
for their benefit. Well, there's evil people in the world. Yes, but evil people are not the enemy. Who's the Bible say the enemy is? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Humans are not the enemy. The opposing political party is not the enemy. I'm going to say that again, the oppo- especially in today's day and age. The opposing political party is not the enemy. The next generation is not the enemy. The rebels of today are not the enemy. Amen. Is everybody following? There's only one enemy. Kind of went out of my messenger. I've got to wheedle it back, back into the message now. So, all right. All things you would like men to do to you, do ye even so to them. The basic intent of all the law that, that God gave Moses, that we understood even before Moses through, through Abraham, every, listen, this is what Jesus said, all, all those laws, all those 630-some laws and a thousand more if you, if you listen to all the rabbis, 630-some laws in the Old Testament, all those, all those various things that you should do and how you need to deal with other people and how you, how you should talk to the Lord and how you should talk to people and how you should report bad things and how you should take care of Take care of your own bad things. All that can be summed up in this statement. If you want other people to treat you good, you treat them good first. If you want other people to be... Now, you know, I say good. I just don't, you understand we're talking about beneficial. Beneficial. So, uh, so I, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. I, don't think, I think I've told a few of you, but I don't think I've talked about this from the pulpit. But um, uh, I hate to garden but I like my garden, okay? I know that sounds confusing, but it's just one of those things as, a, as with, with the, way I, the way I'm built, gardening is good for me because it requires that I go out there and keep paying attention to something that I wish, wish just would take care of itself. You know, just, just do what you're supposed to do. I don't know what all the weeds are. What, what's with the weeds? I removed you guys like two weeks ago, Okay. So, you know, I, and I bought a hoe because we got a garden, you know, and so, and I, I'm sitting there like, man alive, I just pulled these blasted weeds. I, just, I mean, I spent hours out there hand-pulling weeds because my hoe seemed like it was pointless. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with that thing, so I'm just out there pulling, 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 digging down. I'm using my, the little bitty garden rake, you know, digging down to the roots, pulling out by the roots. Two weeks later, they're all this tall. I'm like, what in the world? So I'm like, I finally dawned on me, you know, I'm, by my own self-admission, I'm not a gardener. I wonder if, you know, people use those hoes, and they supposedly have some success, so, okay, all right, YouTube, how to use a hoe, click. (laughs) I could not believe all the videos on it. What's funny is some of, you, some of you have used a hoe and we'll find out you haven't been using it right. My picture of a hoe. As a matter of fact, we have clip art of this, don't we? Right? That's, that's how you use a hoe. I, I like this. First thing the guy says was, well, the first thing you have to do is pick out the right hoe. I'm like, there's different kinds? And he starts hauling out this hoe and here's a corn hoe and here's a, some bean hoe. And, here, and I'm going, and the second thing you do is get one the right size. Okay? It needs to be as tall as you are. Oh, we've got a problem there. And the third thing you need to do is sharpen that baby. 
sharpened. That's got no edge on it at all. It's just flat metal. He says, yep, you got to sharpen that. Take it out to your grinder. You gotta and I'm over going, I didn't know you had to sharpen a hoe. Sharpen the lawnmower blades. I sharpened my knives. I sharpened my chisels. I, I've, even, I've even on occasion been known to take my snow shovel to the grinder. because, Well, anyways. So you all understand that part. So, and I'm, I'm looking at the hoe going, that makes so much sense. So then I'm out there. I'm trying to, you know, got my thing on the grinder. Ew, ew. Holy cow. Ew, ew. Finally, it looks, he says, sharp as a knife, sharp as a knife. You don't want to shave it? Okay. And the next thing you do is you don't go like this. I'm going, okay, now wait a sec. I have seen, I worked, on a, I worked in a farmer's market. I watched a farmer. That's how he hoed. And he had like acres, five acres in corn and, and beans, and that's how he hoed. It was like that. He said, no, nope, none of that. He says, you take the hole like this. That's why you need a tall one. You put it about 18 to 24 inches behind you. And I'm going, you mean like a broom? And he says, like a broom? And he just goes, shh, shh. And you know, in my mind, you got to pull everything up by the roots. He says, oh, and by the way, you don't have to pull everything up by the roots. You just have to separate the, st- the stuff on the top from what's underneath. He said, if you get it when it's all young, he said, it won't grow back. I don't, I don't buy it. But, you know, I have to admit, I'm not a gardener. So Dana and Katrina are off doing something. I don't remember what they were doing. And I'm like, okay, we're going to conquer this thing. So I'll get the glasses, sharpen the hole, go out there. And it's too short, but okay, get it behind me. Bend over a little bit and start doing this. And I mean, I was like, oh, my word. Dude. This is Amazing. In like half the time, less a quarter of the time, I'll say it was about a half an hour I was out there, I had not only hoed all the part of my, you all know I still have, I got half of my, a third of my garden that I've just kind of ignored. It's doing something. No plant over there. So I not only got rid of all the weeds over there, I got rid of all the weeds in there. And even started going into my old onions that were volunteers and starting to pull out some of that. And I'm like, I can't believe this. This is amazing. No calluses. This is great to get done. And two weeks later, no weeds. Like, what in the world? Just now, it's been, because, you know, it's a gardener. It's been too long. On the worst part over there, I finally got stuff I'm going to have to go back out and cut on my. I can't believe I never knew that. I can't believe I, I should have. Why did I not know? Why did I not take action on this? Why did I not try this? Why did I not submit myself to trying something that was the right way to do something? Why didn't I? Because I think I got it right. I do it right all the time, right? Right? Don't we all do the right thing all the time? Hmm. It's interesting. I had to yield myself to a new principle, a new thought, a new way. You can do this too. And it's not just not mistreating other people. The basic intent of this, the basic intent of all the law and prophets is this wonderful thing called the golden rule. Positive action. Let, let me just remind you what Jesus said back in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy as On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All of it. Now, 
You know what this doesn't allow for? Neither one of these things. You know, this is going to kill you. This, this has no room for, well, I've got my rights. Oops, where's that in there? Nope, not in there. Has, it's, you know, well, I don't care. They can do whatever they want. I don't care. Hello? Not, listen, it's not to treat others as they treat you. Because <laughs> that's how we normally run, right? And don't treat them how I don't want to be treated and treat them like they treat me. Well, if you're going to be that way, then I'm just... Because nobody's ever said those words before, right? It does not allow for an attitude which is determined to get its own rights and has no regard for others' needs and rights. By the way, Philippians chapter 2, Paul, Paul helps us with this. He says the same thing. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The principle, listen, the principle is all-encompassing here, whatsoever. Whatsoever. And so here's the deal. While it's all-encompassing and it says whatsoever, and you know, we can say, well, that's not very specific. So here's the deal. You already know the specifics. What? How would I know that? Where's that in the Bible? You do know the specifics. How do you want to be treated? Hello? You already know that part. How do you want to be treated? Hello? Dawned on me, you know. I remember, you remember, I remember coming home uh, when all my kids were little, you know, coming home from work when, all, when they're all little, and I just love walking in the door, Daddy! Wrap around the legs, you know. And, and you know, as they get older, they got lives. It's not like they don't love you any less, but they got stuff they're doing, and you walk in the door, and you're just happy for somebody to say, uh, Dad, is that you? <laughs> yeah, that's me. Okay, just checking. And I remember at one point going like, I'm not getting this like wonderful welcome anymore. Like, does, what am I? Just like chop liver around here? Come on now, don't tell me some of you guys ain't walked through some of the same stuff. And the Lord reminded me. He said, "So, when they come home, do you get up off your chair?" Do you come flying up out of the basement when the when, when it's in the middle of the game when they come home? Oh. You hear me? I had to begin to think, listen, if I, want, if I want to treat other people, if I want them to have, even my family, if I want some of that from them, you know what? There's going to be, have to be some purposeful, on-purpose investment, especially where do my kids learn how to greet people? Hello? Amen. So, anyways, whatsoever, you know, you already know how you want to be treated. Now listen, I, I want to be careful about this because this whole idea has been very misunderstood. And I don't want to, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I want to at least put a parenthesis here. Um, and this guy said it the best. A guy by the name of Selden said, this, said it this way. Uh, we need to be, gui- in this golden rule, needs to be guided by justice and mercy. Okay? Do unto all men as you would have them do to you, were your circumstances and theirs reversed. And that's what some people say, well, yeah, for instance, if the prisoner, prisoner should ask the judge whether he would be content to be hanged, were he in his case, well, I would say, well, of course not. Then says the prisoner, well, do as you, would, do as you want done to you. That's the golden rule, okay? But neither of them is, is a man by themselves. Neither of them is private men. That is, both judge and prisoner in their country have consented to one law 
that they have both agreed to keep. And if either of them shall steal, they both have already submitted themselves to a law for that amen. Uh, we have to be careful about how we take this golden rule. And, you know, well, you wouldn't want anybody to hang you. Well, hold on. If you're not going to agree to the laws of the country, then find a country that has laws you do agree with. Otherwise, we both have agreed that this is what's best for all. Amen? And that judge, these are the judgments that are best for all. Well, I don't like those judgments. Well, that's great. Don't use a golden rule to defend it. Go into the legal system and change it if you can. So, anyways, just making sure we got that connected. So here's, here's the, the way I see, keep seeing this. And, I, and it's funny how this theme keeps coming up in Scripture. You just can't serve God without serving people. It's not going to happen. Well, I'm going to serve God. You know, okay, going to serve God. Well, guess, guess how you do that? Because God doesn't need anything. It's not like he's looking for a new butler. It's not like God's out there saying uh, he's got a you know, help wanted list saying, need someone to shine my shoes. Need someone to clean the pool. No, you, you know what he needs? God's looking for someone that says, hey, I got, a, I got a servant over here. I need somebody to go wash his dirty feet. What did Jesus do? I got some people over here that, that they, they need someone to give their life, so that they, to literally give their life so that they can hear about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who who. who be a servant. So we get this picture of God in our own life, especially I think in the United States because of the, the catering that we get. You cannot serve God without serving men. You must serve men. And on this, this all the law and prophets hang on this one thing. Not just not being rude and nasty to everyone else, but going beyond that, being good. The idea of I will not harm people is vastly different for I'm going to do what is best for people. I can not harm someone and they can die. <laughs> but what's best for them? Walking through life just making sure, well, just making sure I'm not offensive to anyone. That's a, there's a pointless Christian life. As a matter of fact, the world, a lot of the world likes doing the same thing. Just kind of get through the world and get through my time here, not cause too much of a ruckus for what's going to hurt me and enjoy my life. It's all good. That's, that's, the Lord says, no, that's not enough. I will do what is best for people. I will do what is best for people. Hmm. Matthew 20, 27 says that that's going to include some humility. You must humble yourselves. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Servant. Paul said basically the same thing in 1 Corinthians 9. In a day when slave, slavery, real slavery was everywhere, and he is a freeborn citizen of Rome, said this in 1 Corinthians 9. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. The great apostle Paul, I am going to be the servant. Listen, you, you, know, you know what the, the world needs to see in Christians? is Christians who are, who are no longer defending themselves. Amen. They're not always defensive and defending themselves, but instead they're seeking to treat people with honor and respect and love and help and to give them hope. I'm, pff, amen. 
Treat others better. Seek to benefit them. If <clears throat> Listen, here's, here's Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. If there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. And somehow we think, well, I do. That person's better than me, and that person's better than me, but what about that person? We're not going to talk about that person. No, we need to talk about that person. Because other doesn't have caveats. Hello? Esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And then he even goes a little further in the next verse and said, and being found in the form of a servant, he submitted himself unto death. He kept, his, he kept his servanthood declining, descending, even to the point of death, so he was a servant to all. We are as much, listen, we are as much obliged to our fellow man as they are obliged to us. Amen. Well, they need to treat me better. We are as much obliged to our fellow man by this verse as they are to us. As a matter of fact, I would say that this verse actually puts more of it upon us than upon them. We are. The golden, listen, (laughs) the golden rule is of no use to you, whatever, unless you realize that it's your move. Listen, listen here again. The golden rule is of no use to you, whatever, unless you realize it's your move, not someone else's. Well, they got it. No, you first. Well, they need it. No. Well, they need to meet me. No. You first. You first. Treat them how you wish to be treated. Amen. Listen, if I could, let me just kind of maybe contempor, contemporaneous eyes or whatever. How? Let me just kind of think this out just a little bit, out loud. I'm sitting here going, you know, this is a vast topic, but let's think about this in real life, because I know a lot of us can think about some specific things, but this, listen, this isn't just about not being jerks. This isn't just about don't be a jerk to everybody. That, that, that's the negative side of this. It is, it's about going to a, a family event and having to be with someone who drives you to the edge of your sanity and treating them with love. It's not just, listen, we think we're so great as Christians sometimes, well, they just better be happy that I didn't say what I had in my mind. Because that's so Christian. That's so Christ-like. No, that's the negative side of the golden rule. Jesus Christ took it to the positive side. It's not just about holding back words that you want to say and then patting yourself on the back for your great restraint and long-suffering. It's much, much worse than that. Can I tell you this? I, I truly believe the obedience to the golden rule can only be done by the grace and work and our faith and trust in Jesus Christ in our life. 
The golden rule is not some simple platitude to teach kids in the hopes that they'll be better citizens or better humans. It's a gateway to a world of faith and trust in Christ in which we can begin to see responses in our own life that can only be instituted and governed and begun and completed by the work of Christ in us and our yielding to it. It's, I'm just frankly, this is real Christianity. This is, this is real Christianity. Not just not being jerks, but going out of our way to purposefully love all, all people, to purposefully be beneficial to all people, to help them maybe, I'm just telling you, my garden needs weeding. That means for it to grow, sometimes there's things that have to be pulled out. But it also needs water. It also needs sunlight. It also needs pruning. I'm saying that, that for people, for us to be a help to each other, that doesn't mean that we're just walking around you know, all the time patting each other on the back. And listen, 1 Corinthians, we looked at this morning in Sunday school, 1 Corinthians is Paul having to be beneficial to the church at Corinth, and he's got to give them a big old long list of things that you guys got to fix. But he starts it with faith and trust and how good God is, and God is faithful, and he's going to help you with this. And at the end, he finishes... Quit you like men, be strong, you can do this. I love you. May God's grace be with you. Do you hear me? Sometimes beneficial isn't always... I'm real thankful for the the homesteader on YouTube that taught me how to use the hoe. you hear me? Somebody who says, you're doing it wrong, here's how to do it right. Amen. This demands us, this whole thing demands us to be real, real Christians. I'm, I'm, I want, I'm calling every age. It don't matter how old you are. This is not, there's no age limit here. There's not like wiser Christians are, you know, have to be like more. No, all believers can do this. Listen, you can do this. And I want to give you a statement. And I hear what I'm saying. But with God's commands come God's enablement. You understand that? God just doesn't give a command and say, good luck. With God's commands come God's enablements to fulfill those commands. But you know what? There's still part on our part that's required for us to obey those commands and then trust that God is enabling, even when we don't feel capable. Some of you, some of you can... Uh, my brain can understand what I'm going to say, Okay. So I used to be a professional at verbally ripping people to shreds. You hear me? I used to be really, really good at it. And turning that around to instead of instantly ripping them to shreds and instead trying to be beneficial to them was not an easy thing. As a matter of fact, it took a work of God in my life and only a work of God. And I still occasionally have to go, choo-choo, well, that one's gone, and it's, please forgive me, I should not have said that. And then working backwards. What should I have done there? What do I need to do now? Don't get mad at me. Listen, so here's the deal. Do you believe, do you, believe you can do this? Now, don't, don't answer out loud. You need to treat everyone, your worst enemy, the person, the person that if you were flushly to say, I hate that person, the person that you hate most in the world, you understand that Christ died for all, even those who are going to end up in a sinner's hell shaking their fist at him. He died for all of them. 
He, he paid for all of their sin. That's, that's real love. Love that extends even to people who will never return it. That is what biblical love is, is about. Can you do that? Can you, can you look at someone that you, they drive you nuts and search in your heart and mind for what might be the beneficial way to treat them at this moment? Well, I'd want to. Do you believe you can do it? Because God's commands come with God's enablements. And your argument's not going to be with me anymore because I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Do you believe that? Okay. Do you, because this is what it comes down to you. Do you trust God? Or are you going to tell me, you tell God, not me. Well, I, I can't do that, God. Well, you can because God has enabled you to do it because you have a command to do it. The problem is, is you've got to learn to trust and have faith in God. And then you'll see that grace begin to work in your life. I'm telling you, it's an amazing thing. Don't get, don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. You tell God what you can't do. You, you go to God and tell him how you can't forgive this person and you can't treat that person nice and you're not going to. You, you tell God that. That's between you and him. You tell him how you can't do the golden rule. But here, we can do this. We can. You've got this. Could you like men be strong? Trust God. God is good. God is faithful. He will help you. He will help you do this. Go after it. Now, <clears throat> let's get to some specifics and we'll be done. Or, well, I don't know specifics. Maybe examples. Um, have you ever been lonely? I mean, lonely. The kind where you're in the middle of a group, the middle of a massive group, and you are as far from everyone in that group as you have ever been. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been... Have you ever been angry? I mean, life... And life, is, life isn't fair, so don't, don't, life is not fair. You ever been angry? Have you ever been in a point where um, you felt like, if you could describe your life, let, let me put it this way, that you were in the middle of the night, no stars, on a, on a boat, in the middle of a blank sea and there is nothing. You ever been there? Have you ever sat and thought about the gun in the closet or the razor blades in the bathroom or the knives in the kitchen drawers? You remember, have you ever been, listen, I'm asking you, I'm not, this isn't, I, I want, there's a, there's a purpose to this Okay? Have you ever been in a point where you sought for answers and they were the ones you wanted? No answers. You, have you ever been to the point where you felt worthless? Have you ever been to the point where you're like, you know, my family and the rest of these people would probably be a lot better off without me around. I, why is God keeping me around? You ever feel pointless? Listen. You know what's interesting about those thoughts and moments? Is that's what we call lost. And as much as the devil would like every person in the world to feel that they're the only one experiencing that, the whole world is going through the exact same stuff. You're rubbing shoulders every day, 
every moment of your life with people who are experiencing the same sense of desperation and loss and worthlessness and pointlessness or whatever. The same exact... I'll tell you, the world is really good. I think that's why the world loves labels. That's why psychiatrists and psychologists love slapping labels on people so they can feel like they're distinct. It kind of affirms that they're just different and they're not, not like anyone else. No, the whole world is L-O-S-T, lost. That's a very descriptive word and it matches. You're rubbing shoulders all the time with people that are going through the exact same emotions you are. Exactly the same. How would you like to be treated? Listen, how would you like to be treated with good knowledge when you feel like it's totally pointless? What is it, what is it that you hope someone could do? Well, I'm not sure I could be that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're talking about God's power now, not yours. Are you hearing me? Well, I sure wish somebody would do that for me. Great. Go do that for someone else. Well, all I do is sit all day at my house, and that's all I ever do. No one ever comes over to visit me. Mm -hmm. Do you ever go to visit them? You ever write a letter, make a phone call? Come on. Well, I'm stuck over here. Yeah, stuck. That's amazing how unstuck people get when they want to go do something. You hear me? With Christ. The whole world's lost and dying and miserable. That's not new. That's the same thing all, all, all people have had, all the emotions that people have had since the beginning of time. You know what the secret for helping to pull people out of that and introducing them to Jesus Christ is? It's right here. It's the golden rule. It's, it's walking up to the, to, the, to the counter at the, you know, where you got some teeny bopper over there who is sick to death of her job and her, and, and her fellow employees. And you go and order something, and, and she's not trying to be rude to you. She's just sick of life. And your response is, give me the manager. Do you know how to talk to people, young lady? Hello? Person who flies by and, you know, giving you the finger and the horn as they're going by. You think that person is happy? And what's your response? How is it going to benefit them? Dark loneliness is the universality of human experience. You know what it needs? It needs Christians who, by the power of God, can maybe shine a pinprick of God's light in their life to help them to see, listen, to help them to see, Christ is all I need. And he's the answer for everything that I'm experiencing. Listen. You know what I, I want my kids to learn? I, I think about my kids when I think about this. I want them to learn that when they're having a, when they're having a conversation with a friend or, or another person or someone else who is reacting out violently and, and full of language and, and, and upset is to not take it personally and realize somewhere in there that person has been hurt horribly. And what they need is not more hurt. 
more verbal wickedness. What they need is someone who can look at them and say, oof, sorry if I stepped on something there. I was not trying to be hurtful. Can I help you with something? Could, could I pray for you about something? Is there some way I could help you? You hear me? Wouldn't you wish, <laughs> you know, sure wish somebody would come mow my lawn, man. I got need some help with this. Mm-hmm. Hello, you hear me? I I do like I appreciate the 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 vision of our mayor with a community day they did yesterday. Go out and help help people with their yards. And I just just yesterday had a conversation with one of my neighbors, and and I was pointing out to him about a couple of people on our street who are um, older on their way to invalid and just saying, hey, you know, let's help me keep an eye out, make sure that they got stuff they need and. And uh, boy, don't don't you wish don't you wish people did that for you? You hear what I'm saying? Like see you walking by and not listen. Also, at the same time, is recognizing that sometimes people want to be left alone. <laughs> and then asking the Lord to help. Does this person really need to be alone right now? Or do they need someone to put their arm around them and say, I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to sit here a bit because I think you need somebody to be with you for a while. You know, I get, I get a lot of calls. I'm gonna be, I'll tell the story, I'll be done, but I, I get a lot of calls here at the church. People asking for help, and I'm telling you, trying to wade through, trying to wade through the truth of some stories is a hard thing. I'm just telling you, there, there's, there's people, are, people who are addicted to drugs are very good liars, I mean amazingly good liars. Uh, good, good people can become the, the professional liar when drugs becomes a preeminent issue in their life. So it's always this back and forth with people on the phone or in person trying to talk to them. And, you know, is this person, is this person like really actually needs some help that I can give? Sometimes it's simple. It's like, I'm sorry, we don't help with that. You need to call this place down here or, you know, other things and, I was out, when Brother Spencer was here for our anniversary, we, I took him out and we went to the bridge and we watched the base jumpers. I, I, may have, I may have mentioned this before, I don't know, but we were watching the base jumpers out there a little bit. And we, so we started talking to him. with some getting ready. And, and uh, the day before, a man had jumped off the bridge, uh, commit, committed suicide, which you're familiar with here. And uh, those, the people that we were talking to, those base jumpers, they saw the whole thing. They saw him jump. They saw him land. They heard him land. I mean, the whole bit. Uh, and, I, and we begin to go from pastors having fun at a tourist site to going, you guys okay? I mean, can we help? Is, you need to talk about this. Can you help you a little bit? And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I walked away from that conversation thinking, I wonder how quick it took that man to regret letting his hand and his feet leave the bridge. Because every story I've ever heard of a suicide survivor, a true suicide attempt survivor, has always been they regret it immediately. I mean, immediately. And I remember walking away from that going, man, I, you know, there's been times I've driven down that bridge and I've almost stopped like, do I need to stop and talk to that person? Something not right about that. I remember having that in my head, like, I need to pay more attention to this. 
the very next day in the office, when I was actually in the office, I think that next Tuesday, I got a phone call from a guy. And I realized talking to him, this guy's at the end of his rope. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, it's another one of these calls. My very first response, it's another one of these calls. He's, Here's the numbers. And all of a sudden I had a vision of that guy jumping off, the, jumping off the bridge. And I realized, you know what this guy doesn't need right now? He doesn't need a list of numbers. I could hear it in his voice. He just needed somebody to just sit and talk with him for a bit. And so I spent about 45 minutes just begging God to help me have something to say to this guy. I still don't know if I said the right thing. I hope it did. But by the time he got off, he was saying, you know, I really appreciate your time. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, you better thank the Lord, buddy, because this ain't me. <laughs> it's not me to sit here and say, you know, oh, yeah, no, I, I mean, suddenly I'm thinking this, I can hear a little baby crying in the background about an 18-month-old little boy. And he's, have, he's got, you know, little to no food in the house, lost a job, trying not to lose his car, trying not to lose his place. I, you know what I'm saying? And I'm thought, and all of a sudden this whole the process and what was coming with the golden rule coming in my head saying, if this was me and I was in his shoes, what would I want? Did you hear me? And you know what's funny is we're walking right here amongst all sorts of people where the need is so much less. But the impact can be so great. A pat on the back. Telling someone you're going to pray for them and actually praying for them. And coming back the next week and saying, so how did this go with this thing? Sure, somebody would call me, you know what? <laughs> My best friends in the world, I call and say, I'm sorry I haven't called in so long. I'm horrible at this. Why are you calling now? Yeah, I know. The golden rule is, is not just a fairy tale cute little statement that we offer our kids in Sunday school. This is, this is real walking with God. It's real Christianity. It's the kind of Christianity that requires us to go to Christ and say, I'm not even sure I know how to do this, God. I'm not even sure I know how to use the golden rule. Lord, would you help me? Would you show me? Would you help me in this situation? Would you help me in that situation? Instead of going, Amen. Father, Lord, 